Futurized goes beneath the trends to track the underlying forces of disruption in technology, policy, business models, social dynamics, and the environment. I'm your host, Trunarni Winheim, futurist, author, investor, and serial entrepreneur. Join me as I discuss the societal impact of deep tech such as AI, blockchain, IoT, nanotech, quantum, robotics, synthetic biology, and more, and tackle topics such as entrepreneurship, trends, and the future of work. On the show, I interview smart people with a soul, founders, authors, executives, and other thought leaders, and even the occasional celebrity. Futurized is a bi-weekly show preparing you to think about how to deal with the next decade's disruption so you can succeed and thrive no matter what happens. Futurized, conversations that matter. In this episode of the podcast, the topic is fostering leaders through disruption, and our guest is Faisal Hulk author and tech entrepreneur. In this conversation, we talk about his new book, Lift, Fostering the Leader in You Amid Revolutionary Global Change. At this stage, Futurized is lucky enough to have several sponsors. You can check them out at futurized.org sponsors. And you can also sponsor the podcast yourself uh, by going to futurized.org store. Before anything else, please make sure you are subscribed to our newsletter at futurized.org. Thanks so much. Let's begin. So Faisal, I wanted to ask you more uh, deeper about you know your your journey and uh, what it is that has been driving you and how you've been changing your perspective. And you're you're sharing with me that all of these interests, uh, some of them you know commercial, and then as you you know have aged and uh, you know learned new things. You, your perspective has shifted as well, and that is reflective of the activities you're now doing with Shadoka and and also the the things you you write about and, and care about. Yeah, so John, I mean, as you know, I mean, as we grow, uh, you know, it, we we develop different learning and different interests, and hopefully, we reinvent ourselves for for better. So, uh, you know, so when I was in my twenties, I was very driven like a typical tech entrepreneur who wanted to conquer a particular segment of the market with very innovative technology product, et cetera, et cetera. And then I was very fortunate to have that earlier success in my, you know, mid twenties. And, and, and then, you know, as I had hiccups and other, other, and I traveled all over the globe, my interest uh, started to change and I got exposed to all kinds of people all kind of culture. Uh, some of them are commercial. Some of them are uh, uh, fun and, and 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 enlightening, and some of them are deeply uh, spiritual. You know, I, I was very fortunate to travel through Japan, uh, which had a very big impact on the Japanese culture and and the Zen Buddhism and etc. And so, so as time went by, by you know, uh, as I gone through different. Uh, uh, chapters of my life and wanted to do different things. I also uh, wanted to give back, uh, uh, you know, as much as I can to the this country of ours, which I deeply care about and 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 very fortunate. Consider myself very fortunate to live and and prosper here. I've got very involved with our government and doing all kind of interesting technological uh, and and management related stuff to 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 help them to to move things forward. And then, you know, the, the other thing that has happened, we talked about riding and drivers. Um, I found that it is critical that you kind of ground yourself with very fundamental uh, human uh, elements, uh, which are 
you know, uh, how you care about others and how do you find yourself grounded? How do you find yourself mindful? Uh, how do you uh, drive creativity from uh, borrowing from different uh, culture and different perspective and different, uh, different, uh, different, uh, you know, type of uh, uh, background and, and, and location all over the globe. And, and it, it, it helped me to become very creative. Uh, so, so, uh, you know, and, and you, you talked about food. I mean, I find food is like the fundamental basic thing that kind of holds people together and you can learn uh, a lot about, you know, what people eat and how food brings people together as a family, as a, as a community and as a society. So that kind of, uh, you know, cemented my thought process of how I connect with people. And then now, uh, last few years, uh, you know, I've gotten better at it. And, and, and you know, as you mentioned early on, that uh, um, I've been trying to help my son to, to battle his battle uh, through cancer. So I've, I've been cooking a lot and it kind of started in pandemic. And then it kind of grown into a full blown passion. Um, so, so it's all of this actually helps me to uh, a um, become a better leader because I can connect. I've connected with myself better, and I know my values and what takes me. You know, which is really giving giving to others is a huge driver for anything I do now, commercially and non commercially. You know, and um, B is that this this uh, element of of understanding other people as I learn more about myself, which really I feel comes from empathy. Uh, and then C is that nothing happens if you can't put a systemic execution plan. By systemic execution plan, I don't mean just by technological system. It's just, you know, it's the framework and the process and, and anything you want to do, you have to kind of have a kind of a um, ability to scale, and and that comes from my system thinking background and my computer science background, but also from scaling companies and and seeing large organization work. And the third is that, you know, I mean the last, not the third, but the fourth element of all this is that learning is a never ending process. You have to have a learning um, mentality, and it also goes back to my Buddhist philosophy of having a having a. a you know, the beginner's mind where its mind is empty. And when your mind is empty, you look at, you know, nothing. So everything you try to do, you learn from scratch um, and you apply that. Can I ask you, uh, yeah. because I've had a bunch of people come on a podcast and talk about empathy or emotional intelligence in various different ways. And, and I'm also always curious how they define it, but also how you develop it because one thing is to say well you know you have to focus on it and it's important and you know put yourself in in other people's shoes but it strikes me that it is not super easy to learn it's not like a skill that you can just pick up in an online course or you know it's a it's a type of awareness journey that you talk about which actually yeah. takes people years to you, yeah. you, you know no matter where you started out I, yeah. my guess is you can always be more empathetic so so For here's sure. my question you know as you're using this in your business what is your best advice to people who find themselves needing to go on this um, i guess empathy journey or 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 realize or have gotten feedback that they think that they should do that what is that all about for you is it different for everyone or what does yeah. it mean 
I, I, I think it's very different for different people. And you're absolutely right that it is very difficult to practice empathy. It takes a conscious effort to practice empathy every day, right? Because everybody, everybody suffers for one reason to another, right? And we are all struggling with something, you know, mm-hmm. uh, family, business, uh, career, whatever it is, financial, uh, whatever it is. And, you know, and, and I think my, uh, uh, you know, learning about empathy comes from twofold. One is that I, I am a true, I am a practitioner of mindfulness, which is really uh, the definition of mindfulness is that you, you focus on one thing at a time. Very fundamental definition of mindfulness is that you focus one thing at a time and you focus and think about that thing and nothing else. So, for example, when you sweep your floor, you just think about the floor. And when you're cooking, you're just thinking about cooking. It's not just sitting and meditating equals to mindfulness. So, so similarly, when you and I are talking about you know, I, I got into the mode that nothing else matters. It's our conversation. It's all that matters. So when you practice mindfulness, then you become aware of the other person much better than you would ha- you do otherwise, right? So, and there is that connection between mindfulness and empathy because empathy is about being aware of where other people's other person's um, you know a station of life is at that particular moment in time. So, hmm. which allows you to become a better leader because then you know where that person is coming from, their struggle and their, 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 um, uh, you know, the, the, the ability to, to contribute and succeed, right? So it both equally matters, right? So, so when you are aware of those, those, uh, those energy and the other person's stand in life, you can now take advantage, if I can use that word, for whatever you together trying to do and together trying to build, and and then it kind of percolates to the next level and the next level and the next level, and and it is a conscious practice. So my definition of empathy comes from being mindful, uh, mm. and mindfulness awareness of your situation uh, at that current moment, and also the person that is in front of you. I want to ask another question that I know you care about, because one thing is to work on yourself as a leader, and that's hard and important, yeah. and, and we should all do it, right? And yeah. if you want to lead, yeah. and uh, yeah. m- many people do, but you also care about an innovation culture. So that's obviously yeah. something external to yourself individually uh, as a leader. You you want to try to foster an innovation culture, and that I'm guessing through Shadoka, that's partially what you're trying to do in government and public sector uh, as well, because they are also challenged to be more innovative or, uh, um, you know, being more aware of the impact of the things they're doing. So how do you establish an innovation culture? And you even had a phrase here, you you know, turn your employees into futurists. I mean, what does that even mean? Uh, Where did, where did this strand of work start for you? And, 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 you know, what's the, what's the lesson here? So you know, it it it's it started from uh, my own uh, failure to lead when I failed to lead, uh, in the sense that, uh, you know, I mean, uh, and I you know I, I wrote a whole book called Everything Connects with with uh, with Drake uh, several years ago, and 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 it's now we're relaunching the second edition of it by adding whole, whole different section to it, which comes out in a couple of months, and it it's the connection between. Uh, you 
meaning you being aware of yourself and being mindful and, and discovering who you are. And that allows you to connect yourself with others, which, which allows then to build that organizational culture that, that becomes repeatable, right? So, 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 so what I mean by that is that, you know, innovation comes, it's not a, it's as much as we'd like to believe, creativity is maybe a solo act, but innovation is not a solo act. You know this from your own work, right? So innovation mm-hmm. is a very collaborative process. And if you look at any innovation, it's really a collection of different expertise and collection of different ideas and execution that ultimately may translate into a, a valuable, innovative uh, offering or a product or a situation. So if you want to drive an innovation culture, you almost have to start with the fact that, okay, as a leader, I have to consciously uh, motivate other people, but also take the best out of their work, which, you know, and then then foster that work into creating something different. So it's almost like a how a conductor, you know, conducts a musical piece by leveraging a celloist and a drummer and, 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 and a and a guitarist, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, in today's world, what has happened, uh, the people that are most creative are, is not part of your organization. They all work in different places and, and different uh, organization, and you have to bring them together. And you may do one project together, and maybe you will not do the next project together. Right? So, so I constantly uh, experiment by working with different people on different projects just to keep my own skills of, of, of cultivating versus, uh, you know, the classical sense of managing because next generation innovation is not going to come from managing. It will really come from cultivating the mindfulness and creativity and connecting the dot to create something innovative. So I love this idea of working with different people from different organizations. And that's what I try to pass it on, but with a process and with a, with a system that kind of, you know, uh, keeps the, the 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 glue together to make something happen on a on a repeatable way. So throughout this conversation, we've talked about personal but also professional changes and how to yeah. follow it in yourself and in others if you're a leader. Um, now, what about the future? So the future is something where we're obviously in uncharted territory, but yeah. there's. Question I have the questions I have for you when it comes to the future, you know what do you what do you think will happen versus what do you hope will happen? Look, I think you know you both of our you know both of us have a similar background from, as a, you know coming from the, the the cognitive science and computer science and the technology etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So and many of your guests do talk about the future of technology, which I also touched upon in 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 Lyft, meaning the you know, the convergence of different technology and we can spend hours and hours talking about the artificial intelligence, machine learning, blah, 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 fourth industrial revolution, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you know, I kind of uh, settle in a way that, you know, it, these technological changes and innovation will continue to happen. I don't think that will make or break us, to be honest with you. I think what will make us and break us is how we as leaders of every kind, uh, really uh, conduct ourselves to utilize those technology for good or for bad. So, for example, I mean, you know, you, we talked about government. I mean, you know, and we, we are we are 
we are watching a war that's going on in Ukraine uh, and, and whatnot. And there are these all kind of war that goes on and technology is being utilized in many forms, whether that's information, misinformation, or whether that's uh, drone flying and, and, and dropping bomb, whatever the case may be. Uh, and, and I'm seeing, you know, like uh, if my son was uh, sick, uh, let's say, uh, Five years ago, uh, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be having very little chance of surviving if it wasn't now. So, which is different kind of technology, right? So, so the the future, I think I am a very optimistic person, and I look at future of tech, future you know optimistic optimistic lens. But as long as we uh, you know come up with the the right mindset of utilizing technology for good, which is really backed up by proper policy, you know, how we use technology for good uh, and, the, and and that mindset of, of I want to impact, real positive impact, then we will have a bright future. Otherwise, we'll destroy ourselves with technology. And, well, I mean, destroy ourselves. What is proper policy then, Faisal? Because I guess, and this is not, you know, I've worked in government and I respect government, but it is difficult to be a policymaker these days. Uh, yeah. Not just because by default, if you are a policymaker, you know, you're not a tech leader, or at yeah. least, you know, maybe you were a tech leader. That's also very rare. Sure. But certainly you can't do really both at the same time. So you, you, you're stepping out of one sphere and going into another. And the moment you go into this sphere called government or policy, there are certain constraints there. Uh, and, and most people, you know, who are in that uh, situation also, right, they start to think alike, and at least that's historically been the problem with, with governments and, and with any institution. Right. So what is proper policy uh, towards a field that's not even a field because you're talking about emerging technologies, you know, we yeah. briefly talked touched on AI, yeah. there's automation overall, which yeah. impacts, you yeah. know, slews of workers. Yeah. And then you have medical technology. All of these yeah. things, they have potentials for good or yeah. bad. And yeah. war, you know, technology is used in war. Yeah. Depending on what side you're on, they could be used for, you know, stopping a conflict, uh, you know, making it quicker, slower, uh, more brutal. I mean, there's so many, there's so many aspects and facets here. What, what is proper policy? It seems to me that that's not something you can set at no. the outset. No, you can't. And, you know, and it's ever changing because just like the technology changes, the policies are, will also have to change. And, and, you know, so, so, uh, you know, all I can say is that more people, uh, who understands technology and, and not just superficial, uh, understanding of technology, but deep understanding of technology and, and has background of commercial, uh, technology development, must get involved in in government uh, because if we don't do that, then we are doing a disservice to ourselves as humanity. And and so so and and so there's no easy answer in terms of what is a good policy and what is the best policy. Yes, today's good policy will become a bad policy within the next twenty four months, thirty six months because something else will come up. Right. So so um, so. All I can say is that that more people who are in the know of technology must get uh, you know involved and take a conscious role in whatever form uh, you know in in uh, uh, being part of our democracy and part of our government leadership and and uh, if more people does that I w I think we will have a better chance of 
keeping it together versus losing it all. And, and I don't think there is any easy answer. Uh, and, and if you look at the traditional government leadership, just like you just said, uh, they don't have, they, they don't come from this world. They come from some, you know, some other world that are, that are, that are obsolete and, and there's hang on, you know, they're uh, to as many ways, they're very academic, you know, and it, it to be brutally honest, it doesn't work, uh, you know, and, and we we are creating more chaos uh, than actually creating any kind of sense because of the type of background uh, that leads our, our government. doesn't matter what side of politics you are, uh, you know, whatever side you're on, on your But isn't the, isn't the, uh, isn't it also true that, you know, when, um, entrepreneurs or technologists or big business starts to try to present their views to government, and it very quickly turns into lobbying for particular yes. positions, right? Because surely, yeah. you know, the problem in government is you have so many concerns to take into yeah. account. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever yeah. party you are, there are many, many yeah. concerns. Yeah. The problem in business is that there are very few overriding concerns and you want to get those squared away first and then maybe yes you apply yourself as an expert and and really help out but the, you know the first order of business is to influence the world in your direction yeah and only secondarily will those people spend enough time to actually understand things and suggest you know the, the the proper sort of societal answer so you you can't get around this issue that if you're in government yeah. You know, you're probably not in sync with what happens. Yeah. If you're where things happen, then your objective interest is is actually not right. To, so, so, so to say what what the yeah. government would say, right? No, I mean you, you're right on, and you know, so 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 uh, you you couldn't possibly uh, you know the running Google or Microsoft and then be part of the. A government policymaker, right? So, so well, you can so, give advice. You know, you, you can, can be on a committee, advice, sure. but that's very different, right? That's different, different, right? Uh, but I mean, you know, uh, so, so I, I mean, I will. I mean, you know, uh, I, none of us has all the answers. But what I've tried to do is that I, I don't, uh, you know, I could do various things, obviously. But when I said I wanted to go and be, you know, help the government. I'm not part of any tech company pushing particular technology. Uh, and I, I'm trying to help uh, the government with uh, their leadership and management and the way they make investment from an objective point of view who knows a lot about technology and who has developed commercial technology. That is my small way of contributing, right? And so my, my point was that if more people was doing that, uh, uh, then, then we will have a better uh, policy and better, better way of looking at it. Uh, if I was going to government and say, "Hey, look at my next innovation, an innovative technology product," and you have to buy this, uh, then I'm kind of, uh, you know, uh, it's a self-serving and it's not really that objective. So you can't do both. You have to kind of draw the line and decide where where you want to contribute. And you have equal opportunity to, or not equal, but you have opportunity to contribute anyway. The the products and 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 the new innovation that's coming out of a lot of big tech companies or and small tech companies 
are meaningful. I mean, they will change the way we live and govern and 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 move the uh, you know our society forward. But it also have the potential to destroy ourselves, right? So so that's where some of us have to kind of say, okay, look, uh, I know this, but I'm going to now take go on the other side and try to help. But you, you know, and in my case, I don't want to be a government leader either, right? I, I don't have a political agenda or political motivation. Uh, uh, so that's that's my way of looking at it. it. Doesn't mean that that's what everybody else has to do it, but that's my small way of contributing. So Faisal, my, my I guess my last question here is going to be to to ask you to kind of summarize in the the types of areas where you think people should think deeply, whether they do work in government or, or or actually have products in the space. And if I sort of think about the topics that we've briefly touched on, I know that you care about the industry for the fourth industrial revolution, uh, you know, meaning all of the technologies that go into industrial yeah. production. Yeah. We haven't talked so much about it, but that's one of the elements. And then you, you, you're deeply passionate about figuring out what COVID-19 and the pandemic, you know, has done to us. And one of the things that you pointed out was the relationships between the pandemic and, and misinformation. And then misinformation, yeah. of course, you know, plays into a, a bunch of different areas of life. And then we've briefly addressed, uh, you know, AI. And then I know you care uh, a lot about climate change. Yeah. And then I guess we talked about food. Yeah. But are there other broad areas like this where you think people who th- care about leadership and disruption and want to understand what's happening right now? Are there other of these broad topics that that really are on your mind that people should go deeper in and, you know, hopefully listen to my podcast and others to find thought leaders that have thought deeply about these areas? What are these broad areas that you think are really are or should shape people's thinking right now? Look, I mean, I mean, coming out of uh, Lyft, you know, I, I did have a chance to kind of uh, look at it uh, from a from a um, you know ge- from a geopolitical si- point of view, from technological point of view, climate change, as well as pandemic. Because th- I mean, I looked at those four things as like the mega drivers for everything. Kind of all of a sudden, right in front of us, right? Because we we change the way we work, the, the we change the way we. We interact with each other. We change the way we are dealing with this ecological change that are happening. So it's kind of like all upon us. So I looked at it from that point of view. And I don't know as a leader how you not start thinking about all this uh, because if you don't, you're going to miss the point of how you build an organization, build a community uh, and 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 take them forward, and then also think about scaling because we are not motivated the same way a, 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 as we were even three years ago. How we work and how we play and how we how we interact with each other and how we we move things forward. So as a leader, you know, I, I have this term uh, that we talked about not in Lyft but in Everything Connects that you have to be purposely omnivorous. Uh, what is what does that mean? Is it's a food reference, but you know, it's like you have to be. As if you want to be a leader, you have to expose yourself to a lot of different topics. And obviously, you may not be a deep into, let's say, uh, a, a, a research scientist who's doing work on, on AI, but, but you have to be aware of the impact of that, as an example, right? Or if you are 
um, a, 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 a scientist, a computer scientist, you have to you have to be aware of how uh, human psychology work because it, 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 it's it's interconnected, right? So, so if you're not going to be that that uh, you know the purposefully omnivorous, I don't think you can lead yourself, let alone uh, lead other people. And we live in a complex world, and you're forced to learn at least element of all, all of these things to, to move things forward. Well, it's just interesting what you're saying here, the purposeful omnivore, because I feel like the purposeful omnivore by most people is often told, you know, as a student or a young person, you're, you're told, oh, you're, you're unfocused. Yeah, you, yes. You're focused on too many things. Right. So the whole like everything connects idea, it's almost yeah. like it only shows up when there are cataclysmic events. So the pandemic yeah. exposed to everybody yeah. eventually yeah. That there are things that are connected, yeah. and even the you know, and even now, as we're slowly starting to see how the pandemic and climate change are connected, I mean, these are things that if you were a purposeful omnivore, you knew these things uh, yeah. before the crisis started and the potential yeah. that these things would come together. But before the thing, uh, the things actually not just connect, but they collide, then yeah. you're just a confused omnivore, or you're yeah. you're told, you know, go focus. Why why are you interested in so many things? <laughs> How have you handled that throughout your life? Well, look, I mean, um, um, so, so, I mean, uh, uh, I would say that first you have to develop a set of core competencies. So if you look at myself, my core competency was, you know, computer science or, or, or technology, uh, you know, and then it kind of branched off, branched off from that as I became an entrepreneur and as a leader and tried to lead other people, uh, I, I, I quickly figured out that, that without the human element, none of this really matters. Uh, and it expanded. And it's a, it's a journey. You know, it's a journey. And it's not a destination. You cannot become like, uh, you can't become expert in all of these elements. You have to have a core, basic, fundamental uh, competency, and then you can exp expand from that. So you talk about that. My son is very much like that. You know, he, he has a lot of interest in a lot of different areas and he's 19 years old. So I'm trying to uh, say, well, what do you want to do? And he said, I don't know. And, and just like any other, a lot of kids these days, you know, answer is, I don't know, but I'm interested in politics. I'm interested in technology. I'm interested in that. And in many ways, it's a good thing, you know, and because exposure to a lot of those different things probably will help you to find where you can truly contribute. And by the way, it will change, right? It will it change as you go through your journeys. And 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 I, I think that's completely okay. Uh, and that is the new learning way. I think the traditional learning that you have to become, uh, you know, focus on physics and, and not worry about, uh, let's say, um, software uh, engineering, uh, it doesn't work because they are interconnected. And by the way, that, that just from a technological point of view, the humanity is even more complex, right? So... We talked about empathy, uh, you know, human psychology and cognitive science. They are so much interrelated. Mindfulness, all those ancient uh, learning, these are all interconnected. You have to, if you want to contribute or live or become an enlightened human being, you have to learn those things, at least at be aware of it. Uh, and I guess then, you know, the elephant in the room here is like all of these competences that you speak about, you know, core competences, you know, technology for you, then entrepreneurship, then human element. And then in all of this, it seems to me that one skill or at least one thing that 
connects all of those for you is communication ability, right? Because you, yes. you know, you're communicating about these yeah. things, you're yeah. writing about them, you're expressing yeah. it in multimedia. Yeah. So that would seem, I guess, just my very, very last thing is how, how do you develop that side? Because you, you're very good at it. Your website looks fantastic. You've written many, many books. Uh, you know, you're eloquent when you express yourself. It would seem like you can start with a core competence, but unless that core competence includes communication, then you are really not going to get very far. Look, I mean, you know, it, it, like any other skill for me, it, it, it evolved, right? So, I mean, I'm a, I'm a very... Uh, uh, by nature, I'm a shy person. I'm an introvert. You know, I, I don't like to network. I don't. I don't hang around in parties. I, I don't do small talk. So, but you know, the, the I found myself. Uh, you know, the communication skills gotten better and better as I've gotten more creative and found more uh, outlets. So, you know, you talk about um, you know the the website looks good and the you know when you've seen some of my. A posting about my dishes, you know, I mean, they are expression of feelings and emotions. And as I've written, uh, you know, as I, uh, my writing skills also gotten better as time went by, because when I started writing, uh, you know, it was very dry, you know, mechanical almost, and almost like a, a theory and, you know, academic centric. It evolved into much more emotional. So when I write now, it's emotional expression than anything else. And then science comes next, you know? So, so I think communication skills gets better uh, as you go through life and, you know, and, and this is going to sound uh, um, uh, maybe poetic adversity helps you to get more emotional. And as you, as you face challenges in your life, uh, I think you, you get um, deeper uh, and, and, and that kind of takes you to the next level. Well, on that note, uh, thank you so much for sharing your insights to, uh, you know, on this podcast. It's been uh, fascinating to, to learn a little bit about what you've been through and what you've accomplished and what you keep communicating uh, to, to us all. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Tron. Very honored. Thank you for having me. You have just listened to another episode of the Futurized podcast with host Tron Arne Unheim, futurist and author. The topic was fostering leaders through disruption, and in this conversation we talked about recent societal disruptions. My takeaway is that recent disruptions such as the fourth industrial revolution, the COVID-19 pandemic, artificial intelligence, climate change, and misinformation trends have contributed to significant societal changes. Such mega drivers do change the way we interact, the way we work, but also our physical environment. How should leaders respond? Well, change is a challenge to leaders, and the answer begins with identifying how you yourself are changing as a result. Thanks for listening. If you liked the show, subscribe at futurize.org or in your preferred podcast player, and rate us, please, with five stars. If you like this topic, you may enjoy other episodes of Futurized, such as episode 129, How Executives Handle Crisis. Hopefully you'll find something awesome in these or in other episodes, and if so, please do let us know. To find us on social media is easy because we are Futurized on LinkedIn and YouTube and Futurized 2 on Instagram and Twitter. See you next time. Futurized. Conversations that matter.